Welcome to Kite Line, a weekly radio program from WFHB that focuses on issues in Indiana's prison system and beyond. Behind the prison walls, a message is called a kite. Whispered words, a note passed hand to hand, a request submitted to the guards for medical care. Illicit or not, sending a kite means trusting that other people will bear it farther along until it reaches its destination. Here on Kite Line, we hope to share these words across the prison walls. Before we get started with this week's theme, we want to share some prison-related news. When Hurricane Irma struck the British Virgin Islands last week, it partially destroyed a prison. This allowed 100 to 120 prisoners to escape. Authorities have claimed that a majority of them have been captured again, but acknowledge that at least a few of them remain free. We would like to share a report from Sun Ra, a prisoner held in the Menard Prison in southern Illinois, regarding the lockdowns, repression, and violence underway there. The white supremacist authoritarian domestic war has intensified behind these walls. Two anti-black murders have recently happened here by the hands of state actors. This is what is behind all the lockdowns. In the past three months, there have been two murders committed by state actors inside the walls of Menard Prison. Michael Jefferson, 27 years old, was found dead inside his jail cell. The prison administration claims that he had an allergic reaction to a bipolar medication. But when the family finally saw Michael's body, there was clear evidence of physical abuse. Michael's mother reported that when Jefferson's body was brought back to Chicago by a local funeral home, they saw that Michael's face and body were swollen. His family says there was blood in his nose and he had a lump on his head. His lip was bruised and so was his back. Even his genitals were swollen and extremely disproportioned. The coroner attempted to claim that the swelling was only natural within the decomposition process but it had only been two days since Michael was found dead in his cell, so obviously decomposition of the body wouldn't have led to that much bloating. Somebody needs to tell me something. My son was 27 and healthy, Michael's mother told WGN News. There was nothing wrong with my son, other than his bipolar. Whatever went on in there, he did not deserve to die that way. He was a human being. He had people who loved him. I loved my son. His brothers loved him. He died like an animal. This news sent folks behind the walls into a rebellious dance with the guards, resulting in two guards being stabbed, only minor injuries though, and the whole place went on lockdown again. This is an all-too-common occurrence at Menard. Last month, another physical confrontation between captives and these racist pigs went down. At some point, a captive was stomped out while in handcuffs, and his skull was cracked. He was in a coma for a bit, but word just came out that he died. These racist pigs are moving around this concentration camp like a formation of the very fascists that the Antifa are confronting in the streets of America. On August 11th, Indiana prison activists held a demonstration at the state capitol building in Indianapolis, opposing a new Indiana Department of Corrections regulation restricting incoming prisoner mail. The new policy prohibits all mail which is not handwritten on white, lined paper. Though the measure is stated to be provisional, many believe it is an effort to further censor the kinds of educational materials which reach inmates. This is the position of the New African Liberation Collective, an organization founded by two Indiana prisoners, Kwame Shakur and Shaka Shakur. The NALC called for the August 11th demonstration as part of its growing Prison Lives Matter campaign, which seeks to build a united front against the prison system. Since August, Shaka Shakur has come under heavy repression by the administration of Wabash Valley Correctional Facility in Carlisle. 
He's currently held in segregation as being charged with assault against a corrections officer following an altercation provoked by consistent mistreatment. However, we were able to speak with Kwame Shakur, who is incarcerated at the Pendleton Correctional Institution, about the new male restrictions, the new African Liberation Collective, and its mission to raise consciousness inside and outside the prison walls. Kwame Shakur, co-founder and chairman of the New African Liberation Collective, the lead organizer for the Prison Lives Matter campaign. The IDOC, with, with the male ban, on a broader level, we have to look at it in terms of the censorship program that the, IDC, that the IDOC has going on against all political and Afrocentric reading material that's been coming into these joints. Because they're using it, the situation they're using is nothing but a front to say that they're trying to stop the flow of drugs from coming in here to the prisons. They have officers in the mailroom research the mail every day. But if you see everything that's going on out there in the country with the social climate heating up, same thing is going on here in the points, and they see ones waking up. They're seeing the change of material that's coming in here, the different books that we're ordering. Ones are starting to get conscious, so they're doing everything that they can to censor and suppress what we got going on. So with that mail, they're saying that all mail coming into the IDOC has to be handwritten on white line paper or in a white envelope. So that stops all greeting cards, all newsletters, any political material from coming in here, right? So what we're doing... We're using, with the Prison Lives Matter, we're calling on all our outside forces to mobilize and be our voice because we don't have nobody out there standing up to build a resistance against the situation. And we're really powerless in here because there's nothing that we can do in here that we don't got them out forces to mobilize with us, put boots on the ground. But for the past 25, 30 years in these prisons, it's all been about gangs, and set tripping and city banging, we've all been worried about what who we from, what gangs we with. So it's been that divide and conquer amongst our people and amongst the prison class, that revolutionary class. So there's been no revolutionary momentum going on inside these joints. There's been no resistance of us all coming together and standing against these pigs. And that's been working in their favor for so long. You've got organizations like the NALC and the Prison Lives Matter who are waking ones up with these political education classes and awareness sessions and ones are becoming active and they're starting to be a level of resistance building up. And ones are starting to realize that we have a common enemy. No matter if you're European, you're Aryan Brotherhood, or if you're in here and you're a new African and you're part of the new African Liberation Collective or GD or Vice, we'll all start to band together, come together for a common cause because we're all being held captive in camps by the same people. When you become class conscious and you realize that it's not so much about race, that's when you start to realize that we're all being oppressed by the same oppressor in these camps. So we already have our own organizations for New African Revolutionary National. We have the New African Liberation Collective. We have the Black Brother Army. So for us to start the Prison Life Matter, it wouldn't make sense for us just to limit the people who can become active and help this and the supporters on the street to be strictly New African when you got Europeans in here, you have Latinos in here, you have Native American indigenous people in here. You have Puerto Ricans in here. You got Asian Americans in here who are all being oppressed the same way that we are. You know what I'm saying? Our, their families are being exploited through all these parasite companies that attach themselves to the prison industrial slave system like Airmark, JPay, uh, Global Telling, Evercom with the phone systems, and these vending machines. All our people are being affected by the same, the same capitalist institution. You know what I'm saying? So what we're trying to do 
to create class conscious amongst ones to realize that we all need to come together fight the oppressor. Otherwise, there can be no prison movement unless all classes and so-called races, what we recognize as a nationality, come together for a common cause. Right? And that's what we're doing with Prison Life Matter. We put out a call all across the country for political prisoners and our organizations behind the wall and our supporters like yourself out there on the streets to come together as a united front to mobilize the collective whole so we can take this struggle to a higher level. Just what can't be stressed enough that a lot of ones are failing to realize that the movement has been dead for over 40 years in this country. So ones have had no political consciousness and no revolutionary mentality out there on the street. So when my generation is coming up and what we call the gangbanging era, it was all about the GDs or the Vice Wars or the Crips or Bloods, Blackstones or what hood you was from. So when we came in here and being in these slave camps, it's the same situation with the tribalism going on. So I wouldn't say that that's the major problem because like with NALC, I'm GD, but I got Vice Lords, I got Blackstone, I got Crips, and I got Neutrals all banded together and coming together under this one banner. So I don't really see that as being a problem more than just the brainwashing that comes from colonialism and being brought up in this capitalist society with the media and the market and just trying to break them of that whole mentality going through the decolonization process because the ones get to looking at it in the narrow sense we say decolonization and they think that we just mean separating from the oppressor empire and from their government we mean decolonization on every aspect on a political on an economical and on a social cultural aspect you know what I'm saying so that's the hardest part is getting ones to make that transformation from a bourgeoisie Americanized mentality into a revolutionary mentality or from the looping criminal mentality into a revolutionary mentality. We have to raise the conscience of the people and get them all thinking on one social conscience. You know what I'm saying? We have to people we have to basically reprogram them and it's like a, a new unity, a new birth to get the people to start viewing things instead of the capitalist mode and start building socialist institutions, you know what I'm saying? I'm working with European comrades in here, and when one first reads the NALC mission statement, they keep saying that we're talking about new African revolutionary nationalism. They automatically think that it's just a black movement, but when you start to explain one, when you start breaking down class and nationality and destroying the whole plurality of race, you want to achieve better results. You're trying to work with people from other nationalities, like Euro-Americans, because explain to them the fundamental class contradiction between privilege and poverty and they start realizing that there are a lower working class oppressed group of people just like the new Africans are you know what I'm saying so when you get to showing them that we have a common, a common enemy and break down the capitalist class structure in this country that there is a risk-free of the elitists and the capitalists who have set up this class structure and culture to exploit the lower working-class group of people, and then you get to showing how, for example, my mother is a European, but he was raised in the same neighborhood, in the same community as my new African family. You know what I'm saying? Where she's going through the same class struggles of privilege versus poverty, of having health care and not having health care, 
of having to send her kids to these schools with poor education or being able to send your kids to these systems of higher education. You know what I'm saying? It's all the same thing. So when you get to breaking that down to one and laying these teachers on them, they can destroy that plurality of race. And the first thing is when you stop saying white, black, and you start using terms like European or Euro-American or New African or Moorish American, you know what I'm saying? You just destroy that whole plurality of race to put things in a whole new perspective when you can start seeing things on a national level. And that's when ones are to start understanding the need for a national liberation and what that actually means. Not that we're calling for us to be a separate territory away from European and white people because that's not what we're saying at all. We're not trying to separate from white people as if your pale skin is the problem. We don't come into a group of Europeans and become automatically oppressed and exploited by being in the presence of your pale skin. We're being oppressed and exploited by the capitalist class structure and by the gross disproportion of wealth and goods taking place. You know what I'm saying? So when we say decolonization, we're talking about decolonization and disenfranchising from the capitalist class structure where we can create socialist and communist institutions within our community. So we're talking about nation building as far as in the sense of new Africans, but we are a nation all over. You have one minute remaining. Wherever new African people are in this country, wherever we are. So what we have to do is start taking control of our communities and start decolonizing ourselves and disenfranchising from their workplace where we can create these socialist institutions, where we can create our own means of production and appropriation of wealth and goods within our own community. Right. The need to raise one's consciousness on a political level and start understanding the core issues that actually oppress us and understanding capitalism and all its forms of colonialism, neo-colonialism, and imperialism. Because when one, the Black Lives Matter movement, They've created an entire movement to go out and speak against the police brutality that's going on, killing of unarmed new Africans by police, and that these pigs are not being charged and convicted for these murders. So their solution is to play on the morality of these same judges and prosecutors who haven't been convicting these pigs for decades. And to me, that's pathological, you know what I'm saying? Because... Like I said, with there being no movement for the past 40 years, and then you have Black Lives Matter coming up, the people themselves are agitated, ready to resist and rebel, and to go against the establishment. But if the only people that they have trouble with is Black Lives Matter and NAACP, and these organizations are only struggling within the ground rules laid out by the establishment, then the people are being misled. You know what I'm saying? So with Black Lives Matter, for example, I reached out to the founder, Alicia Garza, last year when we had our first NALC rally in Baton Rouge after the police killed the brother Alton Sterling last August. And everything was going fine. Then the Black Lives Matter organization tried to charge me $10,000 to have them come and speak at the rally. So I'm like, how are you for the people? How are you about us coming together? unity and working as a collective then you still have seem to have a capitalist mentality where they want to know is the news media going to be there and can we pay for 
all their travel expenses, and we pay ten thousand dollars just for them to come speak. You know what I'm saying? And they're not even speaking on the core issues that are the problem right now. So, to me, I'm gonna say this: we got a lot of comrades who are on a, a level of political thinking with a revolutionary mentality who are against working with the Black Lives Matter movement and against coming to these protests and these rallies. But I'm trying to let ones understand that we're not past the protests and the rallies, you know what I'm saying? Because the old movement is dead. We're building a new movement. The old movement didn't get to where it was in the high tide of the late 60s, early 70s without holding the protests and the rallies. So it's not that we're against these peaceful protests and these demonstrations and all that. A protest and a rally is all about who's holding it, who's doing the speaking, and what the topics are about. So instead of us not mobilizing and putting boots on the ground these Black Lives Matter demonstrations, we need to start showing up and passing out our pamphlets and raising the conscience of the people at these demonstrations. Because when you see two or 3,000 people out there in the streets every time Black Lives Matter hosts a demonstration, there aren't two or 3,000 Black Lives Matter. Those are the people of that community see Europeans and new Africans out there together because they're all ready to rebel and resist. So if we can get out there and raise their conscience on a revolutionary level and you get them to become class conscious to focus on the real issues at hand, then we can start getting somewhere because what a social revolution is all about is about changing the people's mind, you know what I'm saying, about creating a revolutionary mentality and then getting everybody on one accord Unconscious, right? And Black Lives Matter is not doing that. They use these police killings and the police brutality as the agitation stage. And once they've organized and mobilized the people, they're not furthering their education and taking them to the next level of the struggle, right? You got to start organizing the people around their day to day issues, around real concrete issues. You know what I'm saying? That brings us back to the fundamental class contradiction of privilege and poverty. It transforms their mentality into a revolutionary mentality and get them to realize that they are a proletariat, revolutionary class themselves. You know what I'm saying? But if you're out there, like NAACP and the Black Lives Matter, have become political sharecroppers for the establishment. They're trying to use the same institutions that we're fighting against as a means to advance our people or to better our situation, and that's not going to happen. And we realize... If you're conscious on a political level and you realize everything that's going on, how can you justify rallying a million of our people together to vote for Hillary Clinton versus Donald Trump? Or rallying outside of the courthouse to try to apply pressure on the judges and the prosecutors to reform their own system of genocide and colonialism. You know what I'm saying? It all boils down to like you said, raising the conscience of the people on the outside. We got to start mobilizing the people and putting boots on the ground like we just did with the August 11th Prison Lives Matter demonstration as you help organize up here in Indianapolis outside the Department of Corrections building. It has to start with us putting boots on the ground in our communities and waking the people up to their issues first. And then they can understand how the politics of imprisonment plays into the politics of our overall social and economical situation. When they start realizing that these camps are only being used to house poor new Africans and poor lower class European proletariats 
who have refused to conform to the conditions of colonialism in our society. You know what I'm saying? And when they get to understanding that these so-called crimes are a direct result of the disproportion of wealth and property in our community, then they can start tying things together and realize that it's all one struggle, it's all one movement. Because you even have a lot of people out there becoming conscious and is mobilizing on bigger issues out there, but they don't realize how the prison movement is all tied in and that it's all one struggle. So once you can start connecting them dots and making ones become conscious to class, then I feel like more people will start getting behind this prison movement, and that's what we're trying to achieve with this Prison Lives Matter movement is to bring the prison movement back that Huey and them started back in the day with Comrade George, where when we got our outside forces and formations all working in conjunction with the prison movement, then things will start taking off to a higher level, right? But it starts by we got to start organizing and mobilizing people in our community. These concentration camps literally took the place of the slave plantation. So, like I said in the initial Prison Life Matter piece, majority of these prisons are all built in these rural white areas. And majority of these police have been bred with that clannish mentality. So they're coming in here and basically living out their fantasy of being a slave overseer on the plantation back in the day. But we got to start being our own journalists and our own news media. We got to start having more of our own papers like the San Francisco Bayview National Black Newspaper and create more media outlets for ourselves and take advantage of the social media right now. And that's what we're doing with the Third Eye Live TV. The Minister of Information for the New African Liberation Collective, Siggy Potolo. We finally got our media platform up and running down there in Tallahassee, Florida at our headquarters. And we're starting this program, Angels for Mental Health. And we'll have a program running on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. We'll talk on a wide variety of issues like we've just done. And Friday will be Freedom Friday, Prison Life Matter with Kwame Shakur. And we're going to have an outlet for political prisoners from all across the country to call into our radio station and speak on the issues that's going on in their camps and in their area. And also our families and supporters can also call in and talk about what's going on. And we're just trying to use this platform. When we say Angels for Mental Health, we're talking about breaking the mental chains and decolonizing and getting people to start thinking in a new way. You know what I'm saying? And it starts from these newspapers and doing these interviews like we're doing right now and getting the word out there right of the slave plantation and chattel slavery to this modern day slavery as a prison industrial slave complex because when you have slavery going on America that's what their economy was built on that's what they were funded off of they ran off of the slave labor and you had all these different unions and places of employment who all got their sources and their economics from slave system so now that this has replaced it. The prison system is an $80 billion a year industry. So you have all these organizations like JPay and Evercom, Heafy, American Legion, 
all these places are attaching themselves to profit from our oppression and to profit from this modern day slavery. Like when I first came to the prison in 2008 on my first bid, we were still able to get money orders sit in from our family. You go to any convenience store, any grocery store, and get a money order for less than a dollar. But you have a corporation like JPay who come together and all across the country getting the DOC commissioners together and they was going out to Texas and having these big conventions where they were whining and dining the executives of administration and would tell them, look, if you stop all money flow and the payments coming into your prison and only allow JPay, we'll give you a percentage of everything that comes in. Where when our people send us money, they have to go to Walmart or get online to use the JPay system. That's the only way we can receive money from our people now. And it costs seven to ten dollars every time they want to send us money. If somebody wanted to send me five dollars right now, just five dollars, it would cost more than that to send the five dollars. So for example, a prison in Illinois in two thousand and fifteen made nearly seventy thousand dollars just from their percentage of the JPay. So you that's just the JPay is just one corporation. So when you get to looking at Evercom and Global Telling with these phone systems this call right now, me and you make a 30-minute phone call. It costs me $7.30 just to call you. But we know if you went to a payphone right now on the street, you put in 50 cents and you could call California right now and talk to the time run out. So you got to think of, look at that, that exploitation right there on the high level. Prisons are all profiting from that. And the same thing goes with the commissary and the vending machines. When you go into these visit rooms right now, the cheeseburgers are costing nearly $5. And every year they go up. But these are the, the same vending machine people who come in here and stock these machines are the same people who stock the machines out there in the community. But the prices aren't what they are, but they know that they can come in here and they can jack that up and exploit the people. You know what I'm saying? And it's happening on so many levels. Those are only three institutions that I just named that are a part of that. But it's going on all across the country on so many levels. The prison system has camouflaged their political and economical position of hierarchy within the empire. People don't see how everything is all tied in where they don't want, they put it out there as if these prisons are to reform ones and send them back out there into society as better and productive citizens, but that's not at all what's going on. They've cut back on all college and education. You have one minute remaining. Because if everybody was coming in here and was rehabilitating themselves and going back out there in the society as so-called productive members and following these so-called laws, the criminal justice system would fail. This $80 billion a year industry would no longer exist, you know what I'm saying? Because they need these class contradictions to exist. They're not trying to make anything better. That's why in my in my city right now, in Terhoe, instead of create, we got, we're the mess capital of the United States, and now we're being hit with this Heron academic like everywhere else across the country. And instead of using money to fund and create programs to better our situation, they're building another gym, you know what I'm saying? But the pigs are here to get me, so we'll go ahead and wrap this up, right?
KiteLine will continue to monitor the growth of the new African Liberation Collective as well as the conditions of its co-founder, Shaka Shakur. In a forthcoming episode, we speak with Shaka about his situation and get his perspective on the growing repression in Indiana prisons and the movement to oppose it. This has been KiteLine. Anyone affected by the prison system in any form is welcome to write us via our P.O. Box, KiteLine Radio, P.O. Box 2422, Bloomington, Indiana, 47402. KiteLine wants your feedback. You can reach us via email at KiteLineRadio at gmail.com or find us on Facebook. Are you or someone you care about affected by the prison system? You can call us to record a message to be played on the air at 812-269-2512 or you can use this number to record a message to a loved one behind bars. You can hear previous episodes of our show or get more information on the prisoners or stories covered on KiteLine at our website, KiteLineRadio.noblogs.org. You can also find our podcast on iTunes. KiteLine is intended as a means of communication between people across prison walls. We are not responsible for all views expressed on the program. WFHB, its contributors, or any affiliates airing this program are not responsible for the views expressed on the show. This has been KiteLine. Join us every Friday at 5.30 p.m. for more stories, news, and insights about the impact of prison on our communities. Thank you for listening.